0: Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn to two places in Scripture. Go to Luke chapter 22 and Proverbs chapter 29. Luke chapter 22 holds your place there, and Proverbs chapter 29. We're going to deal with a very specific uh, bondage of the enemy in the life of mainly believers, okay? Uh, the title of this message is Breaking the Snare of Fear, Breaking the Snare of Fear. And we're going to be speaking specifically about the fear of man, so The fear of man as it relates to believers. This is Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25. It says this. It says, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. The fear of man brings a snare. Now, I want to let you know a couple of things just as we get started. The fear of man is, listen, it is the number one bondage among believers, It is the number one bondage among believers. And here is why. Because the fear of man is the most deceptive fear there is. It's absolutely deceptive. In in other words, people who are bound by the fear of man typically don't realize it. They typically seem to kind of pass it off or dumb it down a little bit by simply saying, well, that's really not a spirit. It's, you know, it's just, it's kind of who I am. That's just who I am. You see how deceptive that can be. See, most people that are bound by the fear of man fall into one of two camps. There's either the people pleasers, you know, the people that you want everybody happy and if they're not, you know, you just can't, you can't be at peace, that's bondage, or the people that would say, you know, it's not that I'm in bondage to a spirit, I'm just a control freak, I'm a real type A kind of person. No, that's a spirit and those around you would probably nod their head. It's a spirit. If you have to look beside your spouse and your spouse is doing this, take your spouse's advice. It's a spirit. But see, it's very deceptive. We tend to blame our personalities because we, we want to say this. Well, I mean, there's nothing really broken me like that. I mean, a spirit seems so serious. I want to tell you something that's very encouraging. God wants to free you from the fear of man, and it's not your personality. Here's the good news. It's easier to cast out a demon than it is to change your personality. Do you have kids? Do you have kids? You ever had kids? Don't you wish you could just cast it out? Not the kid. If there's something in your child, and you go... This is, there's something in this character, in this personality, you're having to mold that. That's not a spirit. You can't cast it out. But look, if the fear of man has bound you, there's freedom and it's easier than making these little incremental steps on your own. And so we're going to understand what the fear of man is and how do we get free from it. So let's look at the verse one more time, Proverbs uh, uh, 29, 25, one more time. The fear of man brings a snare. Now what is A snare. A snare is simply a trap. Think of, a, think of a, like a bear trap, only a snare is the most elusive trap. That's why it's used to catch birds. It's the hardest one to see. It's usually a thin wire that zips around one of the legs. And see, when you get caught by that, that spirit of fear and the fear of man, that spirit speaks to you. Did you know that? See, we don't like to think of fear being a spirit, but it, it absolutely is. The Bible says that God has not given us a what? Spirit of fear, not a personality of fear, a spirit of fear. And fear is exactly that, it's a, it's, a, it's a spirit. As a matter of fact, it's a prophet spirit. Did you know fear is a prophet spirit? It tells you what the future will look like. It's a false prophet spirit, but it prophesies your future. And when you're bound in the fear of man, that fear prophesies what men will do to you or of, around you or about you, and it is what creates that fear in you. And so it's an evil thing. And it takes believers into bondage, and it holds them there until God can shine his light and bring true deliverance. So uh, let me say this, also it's the most common fear that's in the Bible. If you read Old and New Testament, almost every time when God is saying, fear not, he's speaking in terms of don't fear them. Don't fear that nation. Don't fear these people. Don't fear that unbeliever. You see, even Jesus himself, Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 said this, I say to you, My friends, think about that. You're the friend of God. This is for you. My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And afterwards, they have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. See? When he talks about fear, most of the time he's talking about fearing people. And that's why it's so common among believers, because we typically don't see it. Now, I want to just let you know, when, when Pastor Robert called me several weeks ago, he said, listen, I'm, I want you to speak in the series, Free Indeed, and I want you to consider uh, bringing a message on, on this, because he knows I know this firsthand. Now, he's not controlling. He didn't dictate it to me. He said, you know, yeah, the way he words it, just go to the Lord and see what he would say. But what I found is the Holy Spirit usually sounds either like Kelly or Pastor Robert to me, so <laughs> I went to the Lord, what do you want me to, okay, just do what he said, okay. And here's why he asked me to do this, because this is not just a sermon and a message, this is my testimony, this is what I've walked through. I lived bound by a spirit of fear, specifically the fear of man. I lived this way for years, actually it was decades. I lived this way until about 10 years ago. I lived bound in this. And so as I'm sharing these things, this is what God did in my life to free me. And I, so it's my testimony. How many of you know a man with a testimony is never at the mercy of a man with an argument? You can argue against this all you want to. I'm telling you this is true, okay? It's absolutely true. And, and let me encourage you. It doesn't, I'm not saying any of this to shame you. Every bit of this is because there's love and, and we, we want to see you walk free from anything that would hold you back from God's best. Matter of fact, when I was bound by this, I was a Christian. I was a Christian. Listen, not only that, I was a leader. I led things. Listen, not only that, I was a pastor. This is going from bad to worse. It does. Listen, not only that, I was a senior pastor of a church of several thousand people. And I was bound by a spirit of the fear of man. And I walked in it. And listen, it had become such a part of me, I didn't even realize I was bound. That's the worst kind of bondage. And so some of this is designed just to be a bit of an eye-opener, okay? So I'm going to tell you three things about the fear of man. Here's the first one. Number one, the snare, uh, the fear of man, number one, it snares you to man. It snares you, it binds you to man. This is John chapter 12, 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many of the rulers, speaking about Jesus here, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. For, look, fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. You see, that's what the fear of man does. It binds you to people. In fact, it causes you to displace God's rightful place in your life so that man can then sit on the throne of your heart. You say, well, is there really a throne in my heart? I know we say that in children's ministry. Jesus wants to sit on the throne of your heart. I can prove it to you biblically. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And Isaiah chapter six says that Isaiah, he said, I saw the Lord seated on his throne and his train filled the temple. In your temple, in your being, there is a throne and you will decide who sits on it. You will decide whose measure of rule, whose control and whose influence it is that you're under. But when you're bound by the fear of man, it binds you to what man thinks and what man cares about. You say, well, how do I really know that? Let me give you this descriptive. When you're bound by the snare of fear of man, man is now your meter of acceptance. Your standard of success your joy is now tied to the fickle feelings of people. I know this. I know this firsthand. It is man's approval you now seek. It is man's standards that you now judge by. It is man's opinions and advice that you now value. It is man's wisdom you esteem. In short, as man goes, so you go. You see that? As man goes, so you, I, I know what this was like. I remember, I remember so clearly, and I never want to forget it in fact. I want to remember what he delivered me from. I mean, I was always concerned with, what are they thinking about me? Oh, what are they saying about me? Or what did they think about that? You know, I mean, most of the time, they aren't thinking about you anyway, but that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> you know, but you, you, you're really concerned, oh, he looked at me, and then he looks away, and he might have looked, he might have been thinking about his gas bill didn't get paid, you know? But when you're bound to what people think, you're tied to it, and you're ensnared to it. Here's Second Peter chapter 2, 19. It says, while they promised them liberty... They themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. See, when you put someone in that place of fear, where you're only to fear the Lord, Jesus said, then what you do is you now put them on the throne and you're bound to serving them. Here's what I want you to hear. It is the worst kind of bondage because you are the least like you, the real you, when you're bound to someone else. I'll prove it to you. Have you ever seen a three-legged race? Do you know what that is? It's that evil game they make you play at like company picnics. All those games are evil because they're designed to make you look stupid. Potato sack race, designed to make you look stupid. The one where you spin around with your head on the baseball bat, designed to make you look stupid. But the worst one is the three-legged race because you stand next to someone, you put your arm over their shoulder and they put their arm over your shoulder. You've seen this, they tie your legs together and then you have to outrun everybody else who's looking stupid. And here's what I wanna guarantee you. No matter what kind of athletic ability you have as an individual, it goes out the window when you're in the three-legged race. I guarantee no matter how fast you are, you will be slowed down if I'm tied to your leg. And you know, that's the picture of the fear of man. You're bound to man and you can't even be you. You don't even function as an individual. You're so tied to the whims of other people. You can't, and, and listen to this. this, this really does speak to us, you can't even walk well because you have to be in step with someone that you weren't designed to be in step with. This, this is firsthand, I know how this feels. And if the Holy Spirit is shining a light on a part of your life, he's not doing it to condemn you. He's doing it to free you from this so you can be you in him. It's good news and it's hope. So that's the first thing. It snares you to man. Here's the second thing. It snares you from God. When you're snared by the fear of man, not only are you bound to man, you're snared away from God. It doesn't just hold you to one, it pulls you away from the other. Now I want to read you this. This is uh, out of Luke chapter 22. This is the story of Peter denying Christ. I know you know the story, but I want you to look at it through the eyes of the fear of man. Starting in verse 54, having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter, watch this, was following at a distance. Remember Peter? Remember I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All the others might. I'll even die for you. I'm going to pull out a sword and try to cut off Malchus's head. I missed There goes his ear. Oh, well. Here comes big talking Peter. Here it comes. Peter following at a distance. It says, after they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and it sat down together, Peter was sitting among them and a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him said, this man was with him too. But he said, denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. See the fear of man there. A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately while the, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed and then I love this because Luke is the only one that records this, verse 61. It says, then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I want you to remember that. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had told him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times, verse 62. And he went out and wept bitterly. Listen, as I'm saying this, I want you to realize the fear of man snares you away from God. And if that is you, I'm not telling you this to condemn you. Because in our heart, we can realize, I have, I've been pulled away from God. I've cared more about people than I have God, and it's pulled my heart. I've had another God, and it's been man. Listen, there, listen, there are two people that went out and wept bitterly in the New Testament. One was Peter, and the other was Judas. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. You say, yes, but, but, but you don't understand, Pastor, I have. I've walked away from God. Listen, but he hasn't walked away from you. And our faith does not rest in our ability to hold on to him, it rests in his ability to hold on to me. His grip is better than yours. And he's holding, that's why you're here. He's going, come on, come on. And I believe with all my heart that during my times of bondage, there were were days, weeks, months, years, empty inside. Not hearing his voice, not living a life of freedom from this bondage but there, there was always the presence of his face. And there would be times I'd be around the people of God or just sometimes walking through my house and it was like God was looking at me just like he looked at Peter. Now I'll tell you, I think sometimes we make up maybe what that verse meant, like Jesus looked at Peter and kind of went, or, oh, Peter, you stink, man. No. See, but let me tell you what the look was because this is what the face of God communicates. It communicated this. Peter, come back. Come back. Come on, Peter. I love you. I knew it. I'm not surprised. Come back. That's what the look of God is saying to you. He's not condemning you. He's not browbeating you. How many of you know that you can communicate a lot with a look, can't you? Yeah. You ever get in an elevator and you make eye contact with a stranger? What do you do? You do. It's a look. You kind of just go. That says, hello, I want to ignore you. Or when the doors are closing and you're pushing the button and they're running and you go, i got help. You can communicate with your kids through a look, can't you? I can say volumes to my children with just one of these. I have a good friend that says, he'd give them a look and it said, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out and make another one just like you. (laughs) I don't endorse that comment, by the way. I can say a lot of things to my wife with just a look. I'm not gonna show you those looks, that's none of your business, but you, (laughs) you get the gist. Would you agree, let me ask a question, would you agree that the closer and more intimate you are with someone, the easier it is to communicate with facial expression? David said this, you will lead me and guide me with your eye upon me. There's no closer communication than when someone can just look at you. Can I tell you this? The Lord's looking at many, 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 many here this morning, and he's just saying this. Come on, come on back. I'm not condemning you. I know what's been wrong. Let me fix it. I'm not condemning you. He didn't condemn Peter. He's not wanting to condemn us. He knows it, but it pulls you away. Here, I want to point this out to you. When, 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 think about this. When the enemy wanted to sift the soul, remember he asked, Jesus said, Satan's demanded to sift you like wheat. I pray that your faith would not fail. Remember that? When the enemy wanted to sift the strongest apostle, think it's the strongest. This is the guy who made the biggest statements. He was the most prideful, he was the most talkative, it's true. But he was also with, the one, with one of the strongest callings. This was the man that would preach the very first sermon after, in Acts chapter 2, under the inspiration of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the man who would walk by people and his shadow would heal them. This is the man that would write epistles into the New Testament that would set up the doctrine for the entire history of the church. When the enemy wanted to attack the strongest apostle, he used his strongest weapon, the fear of man. You say, well, Peter fell into it. Yeah, he did. And we fall into it as well. So don't hear that as condemned. I'll tell you what, if if he's trapped you in this, let me tell you, he brought out the big guns. He's trying his best to take you out from accomplishing what you're called to do. And he wants to do that by removing you. And it always happens. You might say, well, I do, I, I am bound by the fear of man, but I still have a heart for the Lord. Yes, but he's not first. Look at this. This is Jeremiah chapter 17, verse five. This is in your Bible. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Watch, whose heart departs from the Lord. You see that? The heart departs from the Lord. And the great thing about the Holy Spirit is he's able to whisper to you the things that I can't say in a more intimate way and say, yeah, there is an area. And it is because I've been replaced and all I'm saying with my look is, come back. See, we tend to shame away, we tend to look down. You ever seen somebody, you know, we tend to feel shame when we look down. We had a hundred and ten pound German shepherd in our home for many years, actually It was in the backyard, but that dog would do something wrong, and that was a big dog. And I could say, Angel, and, and this huge dog would <laughs> You're like, Oh you come here, puppy. <laughs> Can you hear God saying, why you come here? I love you. (laughs) You're like, no, that's too cheesy. Okay, well, for some of you, I hope it helps. That's the second thing. (laughs) Here's the third thing. Snares you to man, snares you from God. Here's the third thing. It snares others through you. When you're bound, you bind other people. I did it. I saw me do it. You become the person who's binding others with your setting the wounds and the traps for other people. You say, wait, you're saying I'm being used by the devil. Yes. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. You shouldn't feel good about it, but you should feel great that God can fix it. That's the great news. Okay, so because I got those wounds about the fear of man from somebody else, I, I received those in my childhood. If you're walking in this, you have wounds and you've tried to protect yourself or establish yourself by pleasing people or controlling them. And what you need to hear is you become the instrument of other people's bondage. I want to read you these verses and you'll probably pick out the trend here just a few in rapid succession John chapter 7 verse 13 yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews John 9:22 his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews for the Jews had agreed if anyone confessed him to be Christ he'd be put out of the synagogue John 19, 38, after these things Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus but a secret one for fear of the Jews Asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 19. So when it was evening that day, the first day of the week, um, and when the doors were shut with the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, peace, uh, be with you. See, what what is happening here is the Jews were the most fearful people related to man that there were. They did everything out of pretense to be people pleasers, impress people. What are they thinking of us? Everything was an outward show. They were man-focused. So what did they do? They replicated that upon every person that they got around. They put the snare on others. Jesus said it to them this way in one of his kind political speeches, I guess, here. Matthew 23, 15, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte and when he becomes one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Thank you Jesus. Praise you Jesus. <laughs> so well that's really hard to hear. Well, it's it's hard to hear that you're sick, but it's good to hear there's a cure. He's not diagnosing what he cannot fix. And listen, you got. You, but you have to. You have to accept this. That if you're bound by that, you start putting that on other people. Listen to me. All fear-based relationships. All fear-based relationships deteriorate into one of two uh, kind of overarching situations. One of two. The first is where where when you're dealing with someone and you, and you have the fear of man, you want to con- contain and control them. That's the first way: containing control. And I did this. If I couldn't contain and control you, I, I would. I, it really bothered me. I needed to control my environment, make sure people acted a certain way around me. I needed that because I was afraid of what they could do to me. But what I found was if you can't contain and control, then you go into the other area, which is reject and revile. Contain and control, that's not working. I'm going to reject and revile. And this is how people with the fear of man deal with you. You know some of them, and it, it, it might be you. Tell you what, it's always that way. In fact, that's how fear works. I remember our first house we bought several years ago. We, we have four kids, only two of them then. Um, I, think, I think our oldest was probably two and a half. The second was maybe 18 months or so. One was walking, one was crawling, and I was about to leave town for about three days to go speak somewhere. And um, my wife had made an appeal to me. See, we lived in the middle of a pecan orchard All these pecan trees were around us, which is great, except you have a lot of pecan tree sap and you have a lot of critters. And I had stocked up some firewood just outside of our house right by our bedroom window and my wife told me, she said, I think you need to, uh, you know, you need to go out there and you need to move that wood because we have rats. In fact, we have black rats. Black rats are about that long without the tail. Kelly would say they're about that long. I said, no, those are possums. She said, no, those are demons. So, (laughs) Black rats. I said, honey, why do you think we have black rats? She said, well, because at night, when I look on the windowsill of our bedroom, I see rats. I said, okay, I'll get on it when I get back. That's a bad idea, guys. I appeased her by buying some of those little poison briquettes. So I, put, I took those little green poison briquettes and I scattered them around the wood and I put them around, you know, the shed and I put them around the house and I put a couple inside. I came into the kitchen, you know, just in the off chance anything could ever get in our house. And I put one of those briquettes underneath the kitchen sink and we had the little child locks and so it closed it and the locked and all was good. And I left that night. The next night, in the early evening, Kelly is walking through the kitchen. She's messing, doing something with the kids, and she hears. She's like, what is that noise? What is that noise? And she notices it's coming from underneath the kitchen sink. You want me to stop? No fear. See what I did there? So she goes over. And she has a little a little push thing, and she opens it up, and out walks Mr. Rat. Only, he's been nibbling on the green poison, so he's drunk. And if there's anything scarier than a black rat, it's a drunk black rat. And so he comes out, and he's got this going on. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's drunk. And Kelly immediately entered into a fear-based relationship. And so what did she do first? Come on, you know. She wanted to contain and control. Contain and control. She's got two little kids, so what does she do? She grabs the mop and a bucket, it's empty, and she begins to joust the rat. <laughs> Such a woman of God. She's and, and she's got the mop and she's poking and she wants to contain, she wants to get the bucket on it, but the rat is, he's bobbing and weaving and he's blocking and countering and... I'm just repeating the story, see? (laughs) Well, it didn't work. Containing control didn't work. So you know what she did? She rejected and reviled. Ah! She goes running into our bedroom and jumps up on our bed, completely forgetting about her two small children on the kitchen floor. (laughs) Jumps off the bed, comes back in, pulls the kids back, grabs the bucket, finally gets the bucket on top of the rat, and she overcame. My point is this. If you're bound by the fear of man, you're gonna treat people the way she treated that rat. Maybe not as extreme. Because, I mean, you know, it wouldn't work with a mop, bucket. although some people, when they're real extreme, it feels like you're getting beat up. Isn't that true? And if you can't contain, you can't control, you begin to reject and you begin to revile. And what happens is that wounds other people and then we put the fear of man on them. I did this, I know firsthand. And so what is the solution? You say, surely isn't there a solution to this? Yes, there is. There absolutely is and it's, it's really good news. Let me read you this. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 again. It says, the fear of the Lord brings a snare, but, oh, I love that word, But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. I love the way the Septuagint reads this verse, the way it reads in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation. It's the Old Testament translated into Greek. It's called the Septuagint. It reads this. It says, the fear of of man brings a snare, but the one yielding upon the Lord will be glad. Yielding upon the Lord. You say, what's the key to deliverance? Well, first is this. First is seeing it. And the next is to get ministry so that you can begin to yield upon the Lord. That's it. Now, here's the, here's the hard part, see. Without the ministry part, you try to do it in your own will. And you say, okay, well, I'm going to do that. I got it. Thank you. You've done good. I, I, it's fine. I'm going to take this. I'm going to go off by myself. Listen, that, that's fear of man right there. You, you can't do this by yourself. You're going to need the help of the very thing you fear to get free. See, what you'll do is you'll go off in your own strength and you'll try by the power of your will to beat that enemy away. And let me just tell you, it won't work. Why? Why won't it work? Because you have a wound and the wound leaves you vulnerable. Have you ever seen the movie where the bad guy and the good guy at the very end of the movie get into a hand-to-hand fight? And it's coming down to it, whoever wins, wins the whole story. And almost inevitably, the, the good guy either has a broken leg or he's got a knife wound or he's got a bullet hole in his shoulder and and the good guy's on top of the bad guy and it looks like he's going to win. What does the bad guy always inevitably do? He punches him or or puts his thumb right in that wound and just, and he comes off. That's what the enemy does. If you don't get that wound healed, it doesn't matter how hard you try, when it looks like you're going to win, he's going to hit that wound and you're going to go back to that old behavior. You've got to be free. I remember going into in um, my third year, I was in my third year of senior pastor. And it had gotten so bad, I finally, I went and, and, and on an elders retreat, I resigned. I said, I can't do this anymore. I was so suspicious, I was so bound demonically to what people thought that my emotions were always tied to people. I couldn't live, my heart would have been pulled away from God, I was binding others. I Finally, I resigned. in the eldership, at the retreat said, listen, we don't want you to resign. Stay, stay, but let us get you healed. So I tried to, and we did that for six weeks is about how long it lasted. But I mean, it only got worse. I didn't trust anybody. I couldn't put my confidence in God. And so I was, I was angry and I was pugnacious with these guys. And finally, after six weeks, they called me in, 30 elders in a room on a Sunday night and said, Stephen, you're right. It's impossible to walk with you like this. So you can't be the senior pastor here like this. And you know what I did? I fought with them. I argued with them. You might be here, and and all the evidence is that this is you, but you argue with it, and you fight with it. Listen, that's fear. You can let all that go. And so I'm there in the middle of arguing with these 30 men who loved me. And then a, a voice in my heart changed my life. It did. It changed my life. God said three words to me. He said this. He said, this is me. This is me. Stephen, it's me. And you know what that immediately told me? Well, if it's God it's good. And that began the process of me humbling myself. I I, I did, I broke. I wept openly. I confessed my fear right there. And God began a process of radically changing me, radically delivering me. I mean, night and day difference. He can do the exact same for you. He's no respecter of persons. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to pray for you. At every campus, in every overflow room, we're going to have ministry, prayer ministers at the altar following the service. And here's what I want to tell you. Many, many, many this weekend already have come forward, and many more need to, who have never come forward to the altar before. And the reason why you haven't has been the fear of man. What will everybody think about me? What will my family think? What will my friends think? What will the counselors or the ministry team say? What will they do? See, all those things, you need to put those aside. And some of you, you need to hear the Lord just saying this. This is me. Let me fix it. Let me heal you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to stand together and sing one last worship song before we dismiss. But as we do, our altar ministry team is going to come forward. And when we stand up to sing, if you need prayer for this, you step out from your aisle where you are. Come on forward. We'll wait for you. We're not in a hurry. If you're in the balcony, there are prayer counselors all around the balcony. They're available to pray for you. Don't let the enemy hold you back. If you need prayer, when others are stepping up to worship, you step out and come forward. Holy Spirit, I pray you draw every person that needs prayer for any reason in Jesus name. Amen. I was 19 years old when I gave my life to the Lord and everything changed. I didn't have any desire to go back to that old life. I wanted to walk with the Lord and learn more about him and some people helped me to learn the Bible and to learn how to pray and to learn about my new life in Christ. And that's what we want to do for you. I am so excited that you've given your life to the Lord. He's forgiven all of your sins and you're on your way to heaven. But we need to learn some things now about the Bible, about prayer, about some basics of the Christian life so that you can be victorious and live for the Lord like I know you want to. So we've designed a class called Fresh Start. And I want to encourage you to sign up for this class because we want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord now. I love you and I'm so proud of you.